0: Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host Tom Gerrard. This week I've got another episode that I recorded while I was up in Sydney for the Vivid Festival. Um, I catch up with an artist I'm sure many of you know about through his Obey Giant posters and also the Hope campaign he did for Barack Obama. He's done lots of big artworks, murals and other well-known projects over the years. I'm sure uh, you've all heard of him. It's uh, Shepard Fairey. He was a hard man to catch because uh, he was very busy with all, a lot of different projects he had going on in Sydney at the time. Um, but without further ado, here's the interview. How are you going? I'm good. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're a hard man to catch. It's been a, um, a big, uh, big week for you. Yeah,
1: it's been super busy with um, the George Street mural, which is 15 stories high by uh, 100 feet wide. It's, uh, it's basically tied from my biggest mural ever. So it's a a lot of time on the wall and then a lot of things um to do for getting ready for for vivid sydney um putting together the art exhibition um here and uh you know just lots lots of stuff but it's good since i'm not in sydney or australia very often i'm glad to be putting um you know putting a lot of things together so that, that you know represent the different facets of uh, of what i do yeah,
0: it's really high output like i was um i was blown away because i was um Part of the group of people, sort of, uh, you know, unpacking all your paintings for your exhibition and taking them all <laughs> out of the pallets and stuff, and it's like, man, that's a lot of work. And then I was thinking about the big wall as well, and I was watching you work on that, and and then knowing you've got the talk to get to do as well, and it's like, geez, you're a very busy man. Are, are your your trip's always this this big, or are you? Uh, is this a particularly big? Um, no, this this place? is
1: this is pretty this is pretty big. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, from the uh the Darling Quarter installation, the art show, um the the big mural. The talk—it's a lot, but whenever I'm I'm traveling, I'm always trying to make sure that the different facets of um, what I, what I do that you know represent my philosophy of sharing my work with as many people as possible, making it making it accessible, making it democratic. That I you know that I get to satisfy that. So if I'm doing an art show um, in a in a gallery, which not you know not everyone likes to go to galleries, I I want to make sure I'm also doing some public art um street art or a mural that um is something that people will just stumble across in their in their daily lives that that side of what i do is really important
0: yeah because i was um i was listening to an interview with you It was quite an old one with uh debbie millman like, oh, yeah. from years mm-hmm. ago and you and um you said when people ask what you do for a living you, you never say that you're an artist is that is that still the case
1: well i um i say i'm an artist and designer but it's um you know, it's interesting, the the semantics of all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I guess maybe I've gotten a little bit more shrewd about playing the, the game with uh, the, the fine art world. And um, fine art world is really based on upselling everything you do as, uh, you know, more precious, more special, more m- mysterious, more, um, more emperor's new clothes. If you don't get it, it's just because you're not sophisticated enough. So um, even though I'm all about demystifying what I do and empowering people by saying um, this is what I do is the visual art version of punk rock three chords in a garage. it's not that difficult just get off your ass and do it. I also will um, will not downplay what I, I think is the uh, you know the, the amount of time and, and uh, you know and technique and, and talent that I've put into you know what I do um, but there are a lot more, Talented people out there. I, I think uh, my my success comes from being a really hard worker. I yeah. work a lot.
0: Yeah, you sure do. Um, so when you started making like stickers and T-shirts and um, you know your, your first sort of uh, creative endeavors, like did you have any idea that you'd ever get to where you are now?
1: Definitely not. I um, I went to art school at the Rhode Island School of Design, which is a really good school. And I, I loved to draw and paint from the time I was a little kid. So I was always serious about, you know, art and and making s- homemade things, stickers and stencils and T-shirts and even when I was a kid, you know, Legos and model airplanes, um, building tree forts. But the idea that I would ever have a successful art career, that just it just seemed out of reach. But what I knew I could do, because I loved skateboard and punk rock culture and then later hip hop culture, was that I could do things that were creative. Within that and street art also, I was really moved by um, graffiti. That it was more about um, it was what you know not not about submitting slides and having someone say you're worthy. It was about just seizing the opportunities. So I knew I could do those things, and and really it was my. Um, My willingness to follow my instincts within the cultural niches I was excited about that led to people saying, well, hey, I like what you did on the street. I like what you did on this T-shirt. I like what you did on this poster. Do you want to show some of that stuff in a gallery? So in a way, um, maybe thinking I could never get in a gallery and not trying to pander to that world was what led me to getting access to that world.
0: Yeah. And like being from um, South Carolina, did you find that you were, um or you feel that you're um, geographically challenged compared to like people people from like um New York and LA and San Francisco and places <laughs> like that?
1: Yeah, being from South Carolina, I definitely thought I was geographically and probably genetically challenged too. Um, you know, I I I felt pretty inferior. But then I went to Rhode Island and realized that um, the gene pool there was even worse than South Carolina. So um, then I felt a little bit better. But uh, I it. it you know, in some ways, it was highly motivating to not be from a cool place. All the cultures I was excited about as a teenager, I found my few friends that were like-minded, and man, did we fight to carve out some territory and uh, you know, and and be you know up on everything that was going on in skateboarding and music. And uh, then later on, when I went to art school for my senior year of high school in California, and uh, we were near LA. We'd go into LA, go to the museums. I saw some some street art there by Robbie Canal, his anti Reagan posters that said contradiction that re- really inspired me. I, um, you know, I realized that, um, you know, that me, th- these things seemed not so far out of reach. I could make posters. I could do that sort of thing. So somehow I I, I got over my fear that I wasn't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> And when you decided to uh, make the move to L.A., did you
0: like have to work really hard again to establish yourself? Or were you already known when you arrived there?
1: Well, luckily, I moved... Um I had a screen printing business that I started while I was in college in Providence and I had a little studio with a skateboard ramp in it and I tried to do screen printing as a business knowing that if I did contract work for people I could justify having the screen printing equipment to print my own work in Providence and I was making my t-shirts and selling t-shirts and making posters but no one bought my posters and, uh, and that business basically failed. So I had a friend in San Diego who said you can come work with me and for me. I'll pay you a salary, but I'll also fund you producing your own work um, through my studio. And then I'll give you a royalty back on the sales. I'll own the company, but I'll give you a royalty back on the sales. And that was Andy Howell, who started New Deal and mm-hmm. Element and, uh, and and Zero Sophisto, which became Sophisto. Um, and so that was a good situation for me. I got my footing in San Diego um, after being very in debt and thinking I might have to give up on art altogether. And then... Uh, While I was in San Diego, I built a lot of relationships with people in L.A. The cops were sort of after me in San Diego, a detective paid me a visit and I realized I needed to chill out on street art in San Diego. So I started driving from San Diego to L.A. all the time. And then I um, found that my work was really well received in L.A. So when um, we moved to L.A. in 2001, I felt like I really hit the ground running. It was it was a um, it was a situation then where there really weren't any galleries that were catering to the kind of uh work i was into and uh and my kind of work the sort of beautiful losers scene so there was only new image art and um we started our gallery which was initially called black market and then when my partner and i split it became subliminal projects and um you know we we were showing a lot of people who you know now are pretty widely known but weren't that known then but ever since then um you know, that, the gallery scene is really blown up in L.A. So, um, yeah, I think L.A. is very creatively fertile, and uh, and I'm super happy there.
0: Mm. And I guess with your um, posters, there, they're really big and bold, and I guess if you get them in the right spots, it's um, a way to sort of get known. So when people you actually meet people, they're like, oh, you're that guy. You know, not some yeah. um, anonymous guy that's been plowing away at the studio, and no one's actually seen what he's done yet, you know.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, the the street art for me was um, a really great way to, um, you know, have people have a, a, a reference to my work. It wasn't, I wasn't doing it, um, you know, as, say, a marketing tool for, you know, my art or my design services, but it, it did have um, that effect in a sense. But I was really motivated to go out and, um, I was going out all the time and, you know, I had, uh, I was taking over blank billboards and rooftops and electrical boxes on the corner and everyone drives in LA. So my, my work being really bold and simple, uh, was extremely effective, um, from cars. So, um, you know, my, my, my work, uh, was up in a lot of neighborhoods too. So it, you know, it it did, it did really, make an impact. I, um, I was very surprised shortly after I moved to LA that the LA Weekly, which is a huge weekly, wanted to do a cover story about me. And, um, and I, you know, I felt like that was kind of out of the blue. But they, they did an interview and then they said, we're going to send a photographer over to uh, photograph you for the cover. Um, and I said, I, you know, I don't want to be photographed for the cover. I just want you to use a piece of my art on the cover. And they instead put a silhouette of me And inside the silhouette put text that says, Shepard Fair refused to be photographed for the LA Weekly cover. And I thought, wow, you know, it it demonstrates how narcissistic, um, you know, and vain LA is. It's so ingrained that if you refuse to to have your picture on the cover of a magazine because, not because you're against the magazine, but because you think that something else um, is a better representation of who you are, that they're deeply offended by that. So that was a little uh, uh, bit of a a, you know a a lesson about about LA culture. But um, I have a good relationship with the LA Weekly now. But I was like, wow, they uh, they were really offended that I didn't want to be photographed. I tried to articulate it very very carefully (laughs) that I thought you know my art is more of a true representation of who I am than you know my face. I'm not an actor.
0: Yeah, I guess they're used to dealing with um, some inflated egos.
1: Right. Yes. Exactly
0: wouldn't want their face on the cover mm-hmm. but um was there a like an artwork or a exhibition or um a project that really like elevated your career from just being just doing stuff on the streets to act and then having the gallery and little projects going on to actually getting to where you are now
1: well th- things really built pretty organically and, and and steadily but but slowly um for a long long time and i made the first andre sticker mm-hmm. in 1989 I started um, using Obey in my work in, in 1995, and uh, developed the body of work that um, was really inspired by Russian Constructivist design and Barbara Kruger's work. And uh, you know, I, I was it was getting um, a lot of attention underground, getting some shows, even some museum things. the uh, The Cooper Hewitt Museum um, in New York in '96, and the uh, and the and the new museum both wanted me in shows and acquired some work of mine, but I'd say that it really wasn't until the Hope poster that I was known, um, you know, outside of kind of uh, you know street art and streetwear and skateboarding circles. Even though um, you know I'd done some things for some bands that were more well known, I think a lot of people didn't connect all the dots until then. But you know, I was um, I was already doing better than I ever thought I would. So. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed that that period of time in the, the late 90s, early early 2000s when um, I was doing just well enough financially to be able to travel and rent a car and stay in a hotel rather than walk and couch surf, which had been the norm for a long time. I really felt like, um, I, I, I called it, joked around with my wife and called it the world domination tour that we were, I was being invited to do shows at all these small galleries and um, it, it you know in two thousand I went to Melbourne um, with Perks and did a big show there and we, you know we went out bombing every night it was it was great but um, I had a lot of uh, opportunity but also not a lot of pressure by being um, so well known that I became a lightning rod you know because people always think that fame is is you know what what you want that that's the that's going to be the key to happiness but actually. Um, having enough opportunities, but still being able to fly right below the radar. And that was a really great time for me.
0: Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I've, I've always personally thought that you want you work so hard for, um, I guess in the street art and graffiti game, it's like fame and all that type of stuff. But then at the same time, you look at the Brad Pitt's and of that, and that of the world and you think, oh, I don't want to be like that type of famous. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, yeah. But, um. Like I've been, uh, I've been watching you uh, paint your big wall in uh, Sydney for Vivid, and I was really impressed with um, the way you actually went about it. Like you seem to be um, the sort of guy that likes to work out good processes to do their artwork. Because when um, someone described it and said, "Oh, they're doing a big, you're doing a big stencil," and it's like, "All right," so I assume that there'll be this big stencil that's sort of shipped out there, <laughs> and I actually, watch you doing it, and it's like, "Oh, you're sort of using spray adhesive and then you're cutting the stencil as you go," and it's right it was a really um, interesting way of doing it it's um so do you do you get right into so you think up a, you think up a, a concept or an idea or a project comes your way and you, you try to work out how you're actually going to approach it yeah
1: I, you know i um for years i wheat pasted all my all my um stuff on the street and i developed a modular system i made i made prints at 18 by 24 inches, which was a size I could print myself, and I used a consistent color palette so they would work together in grids. And I also designed wallpaper patterns that um, that could re- repeat, that would break up the the you know the rectangular grid. And then I would make larger pieces that were printed out, paint painted in by hand, and cut out so you know in shapes around figures, so that I, I could do all that. And when I um, started to be offered uh, murals that I could paint I had to figure out a system for that because for years I was just wheat pasting because it was the quickest way to get it done before the police came while also matching my aesthetic and um, so then I had to figure out how to replicate that with with paint that would be more durable and I've always stenciled so I decided that a big system of a grid of stencils would work and initially I would pre cut the stencils, but then I realized if there's any wind at all, it's really difficult to work with the paper. it's actually easier to just spray mount the paper up and cut right on the wall. You know, it's a lot of, uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a lot of elbow grease with just an X-Acto knife and, you know, peeling stuff out and the spray adhesive is not that great to inhale. But I know that if I get proper measurements of the wall that I can execute the murals, um, you know, precisely and I'll get exactly what I want so I I think I've gotten smart about um, the efficiency I work with three assistants who have been working with me for a long time Um, I plan out how I'm going to have the base coats on the walls painted so that um, there's a logic to how I'm layering the colors but I also have a background in screen printing so thinking in terms of um, you know am I going to put the mid tone color down first and then add the deepest shadows and the highlights on top of that and that keeps me um from having to uh go back and forth between other uh, other colors it's uh it's efficient to do it that way so that's you know that's how I work
0: yeah that's great i was really impressed thank you um so with your uh, artwork like you you seem to feature a lot of music throughout your artwork mm-hmm. like i t- and i saw i was out last night and saw you DJing as well. So, like, um, does music play a really big role in in your life?
1: Music to me is um, the the ideal um, democratic art form because you're you're seduced by the beat, the melody, just the feeling it gives you, and then the 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 lyrics come into play intellectually the way. That the uh, the musicians live their lives, the style that they have, their you know their points of view about politics, etc., comes into play. So um, you know, and and yet it's not intimidating; it's accessible to everyone. And I I really like that idea. I'm inspired by. Um, Bands who uh, like the Clash, Public Enemy, Rage Against the Machine, Bob Marley. Who you know they're able to make something that's really enjoyable to listen to, but really also has something to say. It's meaningful. So I'm trying to I'm trying to replicate that with, with visual art. So you know the uh, the idea that a compelling visual can be the uh, can be the harmony. You know, and the the sugar, and then the uh, and then and then the point of view politically or socially is, is the medicine. So mixing those two. Um, music is a great model to yeah. emulate
0: yeah have you had the chance to work with any of your idols on any projects
1: idols in fact Billy Idol um, yeah I, uh, I mean a lot of people who I, who I like uh, you know Interpol has always been one of my favorite bands I've gotten to work with them I've gotten to work with the MC5 with Public Enemy with Metallica with um, the Misfits I just did their 40th anniversary logo uh, with Blondie who I've loved since I was 9 years old just did their new album package, and Debbie Harry is doing a guest line for, for Obey Clothing. Um, you know, she's a fashion icon. She's still super on top of what's going on in, in fashion. And, um, and, 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 you know, it's such an honor to get to work with people who are heroes like that. I've been doing all the artwork for um, Prophets of Rage, which is Chuck D from Public Enemy, Be Real from Cypress Hill, and the rest of um, Rage Against the Machine other than Zach De La Rocha. Um, and you know those those guys are um, super politically active love where they're coming from philosophically and musically and um, you know the, the thing I've been saying is if I can uh, if I can provide a few visual decibels to the amplification of the message I want to do it so I'm in there
0: stuff. Uh, so um, with uh, like you've been around for a long time and you've seen a lot of like eras, I guess, the birth of street art and get to where it is now and all that. And and there's been a lot of um sort of eras and generations come and go in that time. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a uh, an an era of uh, street art that was your favorite?
1: Well, I I you know I I am nostalgic about certain things, but I'm always I'm always looking to the future. But really in the um in the early two thousands when I first started hanging out with people like um, Banksy and Fail and uh, Neckface and um, Space Invader. That was a really exciting time because I think there was there was a lot of fun, innovative stuff happening. And um, I, I don't I don't get into the the you know the debate about, you know, what's uh, what's more cool, what's more real, what's better, graffiti or street art. I, li- I, I like both. To me any Anything that's um, done, you know, with style and courage and conviction on the street is is, uh, is great. And, you know, it, that can manifest in any number of styles. But um, but just the idea that in the early 2000s it sort of felt like um, anything goes. That, you know, that we'd broken away from a bit of the orthodoxy of just only having to replicate 80s wild style graffiti. um and, and you know or else you weren't um, or else you weren't doing it right and I never um, even learned that style of work on the street. I was inspired by the proliferation of it and and the and, you know and and the spirit of it um but in in a lot of ways I feel like I succeeded because I did the same amount of um, you know of bombing but just with my aesthetic and i, I you know I liked when all sorts of different people were, were emerging. And then when it became more um, commercially viable, I think a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon for the wrong reasons. But the great thing about it is is that it, it, you know if you really pay attention to what's happening on the streets, um, you know the proof is in the work. so you know you can cultivate a great social media following, but you'll never you never have the same level of respect if you don't actually put the work in yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm, i was living in um in London in uh, the early two thousands. So 2001, two thousand and one, two, three and four. And um yeah, I was friends with uh D face and a lot of the guys there and I remember remember, you know, going to early Banksy shows and just um you know, he'd, he'd be selling his prints for twenty five pounds each and it was just it was you know, right at the beginning and um yeah, I remember uh, you know, D Face linked up with you and he was um you know, really happy that there was uh this sort of communication happening between different countries in Europe, but then also with the States as well. Mm-hmm. It was like, mm-hmm. the, um, I don't know. It was like this scene was starting. It was, it was already there, but it was actually really starting to pick up steam around that time. It was really, I don't know, for me, just from watching, it was a, um, an innocent time for street art and it was really experimental time.
1: Yeah, it was super you know. fun. I mean, linking up with, uh, with D face in London was great. Um, I loved seeing his progression. He progressed really quickly. Um, mm. And, um, you know, he was linking up with guys like the London Police, who I first met, I think, in 2000 in Brooklyn. And, uh, you yeah, know, it, it was, and then I started seeing their stuff in different places in Europe and the U.S. And um, it, it was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good time. But, you know, I still, I still get excited seeing um, newer people um I mean, Vils has been around for a little while now, but I, but he's a young guy for the amount he's done for being. I think he just turned thirty, mm-hmm. um, is is really extraordinary. And I remember when I first met Jr, he was doing this teeny teeny posters, and within three years he was um, changing the entire landscape in a favela in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, to see uh, how how people you know took the ideas from, um, you know, their predecessors and then just took it to a whole different scale. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see, it's great to see the, you know, the whole movement evolve. And um, it's just like anything, not, um, not everything is great. You know, when you have a movement that's really democratic, when it's just about uh, it's not curated. it's if you have the courage to do it, you can do it. It doesn't mean that everything's gonna be good. but I identify with that spirit of just making things happen um, and, and going for it. So you know, even if stuff isn't great that I see on the street, i I still appreciate that the person wasn't apathetic. they weren't complacent. They actually did something.
0: yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean by um, like people just come out of nowhere and they're really good and then, they're, and then they start scaling up and then they start getting some really good uh, projects to work on. Mm-hmm. And some, they've gone from being someone that's got an idea to someone that's on the world stage. So um, one of the things I wanted to uh, ask you is like, years and years ago, like back when I was living in London, I was um, working for New Deal distribution, like mm-hmm. with the owners of New Deal you were talking about before. But they were, at the time they were um, they were distributing DC shoes, and you did a um, a collaboration with them. Yeah. Like this was years ago. Two thousand. Um, yeah, and that um, uh, the shipment came in of all the shoes, and then also a series of prints came in that you'd done for them. Now that um, I remember, sort of yeah, you know, I was the only one that was into graffiti and street art and all that the work there. So I was saying to the, the boss, you know, come and hook me up a poster, and he's like, no, no, no they're supposed to go to all the shops, and it's like man these guys aren't going to care about you know shepherd fairy print like i actually give a shit about this stuff you know hook me up and he um he finally um gave in and gave me one and that night i went home and i showed up to work the next day the next day and the building was burnt to a crisp and i think i got the only one those uh (laughs) those prints like was that um was those prints you did was that like a global thing or was that just for um the uk
1: no, I well, I did. Um, I think I did two hundred prints, and they were printed by me in my garage, um, in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Damon Damon Way, Danny Way's mm-hmm. brother, who um, yeah. Dam, you know, Damon was one of the founders of DC. Um, he he liked my work, and he commissioned the very f- first two paintings of the Obey Icon and the Giant Icon. Um, and and uh, you know, back back then, I was really broke, so having his support and then doing this collaboration with DC was a big deal to me. And I, I thought if printing some posters that would go to the stores are going to um, help the whole endeavor, then um, I'm glad to donate my time and energy to it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so think, I'm glad you got one. I think I've got the only one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I've still got it. Um, but uh, I, I know the cars here ready to pick you up, to take you to your talk. So uh, I won't keep you for much longer. But um, but I was just wanting wanting to ask you like you've um you've reached such heights with your career and you've started you know like like a lot of other street artists and um or you know any type of um creative that's listening to this right now, like um having reached such heights with your career, do you um have you still got like aspirations and dreams that you're still trying to reach?
1: Well, uh, everything's relative, so I, I'm. I'm really grateful for everything that has happened, but I think it's part of my nature to just be perpetually dissatisfied. So um, if I if I haven't created the thing that um, turns um, the rest of the United States against Donald Trump um, like I think they should be, then that's something I need to try to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, there's always something going on in the world that I feel like I desperately need to address and um, no matter what I'm doing, I'm not doing enough to fix the problem. Whether it's uh, abuse of uh, authority, uh, uh, lack of movement on climate change, um, you know, uh, corporate manipulation of politics. There's so many things that I feel like no matter how successful I am and everything I've done, there's so much work to do. So. Um, you know, l- luckily that um, maybe, maybe that that state of, uh, of of discontent that could really be a personality, a character flaw. I think I, I've turned it into an asset in, in terms of always feeling motivated to do more. That you know, there's things around me, and it's not um, you know, it's not about, about my ego or about um, about you know ticking things off that I can brag about. It's really it's really just about feeling like I only have so much time on the planet. And I, I want to do things that I think I can be proud of, you know, that when I'm on my deathbed, I want to say to my kids, I tried to leave the world in better shape for you.
0: Yeah. No, that's really good. So, um, just to wrap this up, like if people wanted to, uh, see art online and, and see what you're up to, people who may know, never have heard of you, you know, um, where's the best place for you to, for them to find out?
1: Obeygiant.com is, uh, my website and at Obeygiant's my Instagram. I'm, uh, yeah, trying to always uh, make sure that people see what I'm doing. Um, I'd love it if they saw it in person. Go to, you know, see something on the street, go to an art show. But um, but digital is uh, the best some people are going to get. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad for people to, you know, see what I'm doing and, and keep up with me. So um, thanks for giving, uh, giving a little bit of exposure to what I do.
0: No, no worries. Uh, thanks a lot for taking the time to uh, sit down and have a chat because uh, I know how, how hard this whole time in Sydney's been for you. one week and the output has just been unbelievable. It's like, man, if, if I get like even having half an hour with you has been, you know, great. So yeah, thanks well, a lot.
1: Thank you. No worries.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guest, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you will find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in, and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.